Welcome to the Stain and Seal Experts Podcast, the only podcast dedicated to wood care and professional wood care contractors. I'm your host, Caleb Roth, founder of the Stain and Seal Experts Nashville's professional wood care contractor. Join me as I interview experts from around the globe, talk about wood care and all things stain and seal. The only way this show grows is when you like, share, or leave a rating for our show. Please take a moment, leave us a five-star review, and share this show with someone you know who may benefit. Today's show is sponsored by Expert Professional Wood Care. At Stain and Seal Experts, we need a product that anyone can use with any skill level that can be used in any temperature because Nashville, if you don't like the weather, just wait five minutes. We need something that can be used in freezing temperatures as well as over 100 degrees. Expert Stain and Seal does just that. Also, the penetrating stains and sealers that they make stop warping, cracking, and twisting, which are the number one reason that contractors get callbacks for fence and deck construction. So... If you've got a project coming up or you've got a service business and you want to add standing to it, give Expert Stain and Seal a try. It's available at select retailers across the U.S., Canada, and the U.K., and quite a few online retailers as well, like Amazon, Stain Depot, FenceArmor.com, and the Stain and Seal Expert Store. Let's get started with the show. Hello, everybody. This is Caleb with the Stain and Seal Experts podcast. Got a great guest today, Justin Menendez, did I get it right? Uh, it's close enough. I've been practicing. Thanks for coming on the show, man. We've been talking about this for a while. Everybody has trouble with strip jobs. When we're stripping old coatings off decks, it's kind of a, I don't know if it's an art or if it's more of a science or maybe a little bit of both, but you do a lot of this on a, on a regular basis, and we wanted to just share your experience on what it looks like, what you're thinking about as you go through the bidding process, what you're thinking about. Um, before you get to the job and then maybe some of those procedures on the job site. So welcome to the show and tell us, uh, tell us your magic success formula for stripping ducks. Uh, yeah. So, uh, I was just called candy, the stripper. Uh, and I thought that was funny. And I think a couple other people will laugh at that, uh, stripping process. There's a, there's a few things that we do, um, and what we do is a tool. It's not the way, but a way of doing things, um, so Justin and making all things new, our way of stripping a deck. So we go to a deck when we get that estimate request, we take a look at it and then we determine whether it's worthy or worth stripping or is it worth letting that client know, that customer know, hey, this is uh, not going to strip correctly to our satisfaction, let alone to your own satisfaction. Uh, so I guess the first step is determining whether you should even attempt to strip it or not strip it. If you determine it's worth stripping, and when I mean worth stripping, meaning it's worth it to you, not worth it to the customer, not if the customer can afford it, you need to determine your price ahead of time. What is it worth to me to even attempt stripping this job? Um, so we, we at a minimum, we're charging at a minimum $10 a square foot to strip a floor. Um, and that's, again, what we have determined myself, my family, for our business, for us to go out there and strip it. So determine your price, what you're going to charge per square foot and be firm in that price. Don't let customers talk you down. The minute you allow a customer to talk you down, it's going to be that one job where you're going to go out there and you're going to be grinding your teeth, cussing yourself out underneath your, your breath, uh, hating the fact that you're out there and it's going to cost you three times what it would normally be because you hate being there. You don't feel like you're making enough money. It's just snowballing in a negative effect. 
That's a good point. Um, what we see in our office is over and over again, new guys that are getting into the industry. They, they get very gun ho and excited about we're getting into the wood restoration game. And then of course it, I mean, and you guys will notice this. You, you probably notice this too. When you first get in the business and you don't have a steady f flow of leads coming in, you're going to mm -hmm. start getting a lot of, you'll, you'll notice, Hey, we get a lot of strip jobs. So you'll say, Oh, there's a ton of opportunity in stripping jobs. Well, I feel like there's a ton of opportunity in new construction, right? Yeah. I want the easy stuff, the low hanging fruit, because yeah. we can do those over and over. But when you're new, you tend to get these strip jobs and guys jump in them and they, you said your price is $10 a foot. Well, we hear a lot of guys calling and say, Hey, I charged a dollar a square foot to do this or $3 mm -hmm. a square foot. And they wind up just completely upside down. They do not understand the level of work oh, yeah. it generally takes to strip these things, the amount of time, the amount of chemical. Um, and then they don't realize I got to sand it. I didn't know I had to sand it. And so, you know, or, or the railings, we tried to strip the railings and, and they end up in these messes. So I think you're right. Determining, is this worth it for yourself is important, but also I think it's worth it for your customer because how many times have you got a customer that says, no, I want to strip it. And at the end of the day, you really say, look, it's going to cost, you know, seven grand to strip the deck. It costs $1,400 to build it. Why don't we just, yeah. why don't we just put a water-based solid on this thing and get another five years before you replace it? So yeah. do you ever, yeah. do you ever take that route as well? Solids? Oh yeah. Yeah. So, uh, when I say it's not worth stripping, whether it's to myself or to the customer. Uh, so we offer them when we do an estimate, we give them the, the gold standard and then we give them the next step and we don't call it a gold standard, but that's how we look at it. Um, gold standard is so rails and pickets. We do not rarely do we ever strip a rail and pickets. It's it, save yourself the trouble, save yourself the pain. Give them a two-tone option is what we call it. Strip the floor, the flats of the steps, and then two-coat, meaning you're going to solid stain the rail pickets, the structure, the posts, and then oil stain, uh, whether it's a transparent semi or semi-solid on the floor. Um, pickets here in Nebraska run about $1.47 uh, per picket. And so if you start counting all the pickets and you multiply that by a buck let's just say a buck 65 with taxes. It's, it'll save you money to just replace pickets than it would be to strip them and deal with the chemical and the sanding. And then it never turns out the way you want it to. So as a whole, as a company, we don't offer uh, rail and structure stripping. We will strip the flats basically. Uh, and then if the customer does not like the price or it's not affordable to them, it's not worth it to them. Then we offer uh, a solid stain where we just, come in, uh, wash, kill the organics, get anything that wants to come up to come up. And then we will do some minimal sanding, uh, obviously where the, the paint or the stain has flaked and chipped. We'll uh, go over it with an orbital, uh, sand it down, get it nice and smooth. And then we, we coat it with another solid stain. And we prefer, in our market, we use Sherwin-Williams uh, Super Deck 9600 series. Can you explain to some of the listeners why um, why you would strip the floor and not the rails? Why would you um, opt to put an oil-based stain on the floor uh, if you weren't going to do it on the railing and the framework also? Sure. So uh, here in Nebraska, and again, I'm speaking for my area. So in Nebraska, we're in the Midwest. We get a lot of um, 
in and out weather where this week we're in the high of the 70s. We're supposed to go down into the 40s next week and then back up to the 60s to start November. Uh, we get a lot of snow sometimes during the winter. We get a lot of rain and then we get a lot of uh, 90 plus degree weather from middle of June through August. So we get a lot of all four seasons, sometimes all in one week. Um, floors, if you put a solid stain on the floor, it is most likely going to flake, chip, peel, uh, you name it, it's going to happen. On the rails, the structure of the deck where there's nothing sitting on it, the elements aren't, a, you know, people aren't walking on the deck, they're not walking on the rails, they're not walking sideways on the structure of the deck. If they are, you've got something more serious to worry about than peeling decks. Um, those just don't take a beating like the floor will, like the flats of the step. So we we pay attention to where the floor is going to peel, where the paint's peeling, where the stain's peeling. I say paint. We, we stripped a deck a couple of weeks ago that was stained with an exterior house paint. Uh, painters came in, painted the house, and customer thought, you know, for an extra $600, they would stain the deck. What he didn't know was that exterior paint does not belong on uh, on the deck. It does, especially does not belong on the flat surfaces where you walk. It will peel up like sheets of paper, um, which is the best kind of stripping you can do when that paint wants to literally come off. So that's why we don't we don't typically put the solid on the floor unless it's already previously stained with a solid and that's the route they want to go down with. Well, we see the same thing here in Nashville. We see um, solid stains or water-based film forming stains tend to stick to railings. They stick to vertical surfaces and they tend yep. to peel, crack and chip on floors. And then they're easier to remove from floors and very difficult to remove from railings. So we opt for the same treatment from time to time to do, um, to do the, the oil on the floor and the, uh, the other on the railings. And the cool thing about the oil-based stain on the floor is, is one, if you're gonna do a solid on the railing, well, we know it's gonna hold up. We know it's not gonna hold up on the floor, so we put an oil base on there that's easy to maintain. So I yep. think what you see a lot of guys all over, they're doing, you know, they're gonna come back every two years and put a, a recoat, an oil just to maintenance coat on the floor and then I don't know. How long are you seeing solid stains lasting on railings? Four, five, six years? Oh, geez, man. We, so we stained a deck when I first started in 2014. Um, just the railings and the railings almost look like they could last another year or so. So those things are going on nine years and they still look pretty good. Now it's a shaded deck, a uh, little town, elderly community, townhouse kind of place, but uh, those things, <laughs> they've got eight years on it. And like I said, it could probably go another year before they're thinking about doing anything with the pickets and the rail. That makes sense. So once, once you've determined what you're going to do, um, what expectation do you set with the customer? Let's say if we are going to go ahead with a, a full strip or any kind of a strip, how do you set that expectation with them? And I'm talking specifically in, we know some things are going to happen. One, as a contractor, we know we're going to get fuzz. We know we're probably going to have to sand. We know there's probably going to be some stain left in the cracks. How do you handle that situation and set the expectation? Yeah, so I, I set the expectation uh, from the worst to the best possible scenario. Uh, so I let them know whether it happens or doesn't happen. Uh, we're going to come out, we're going to pre-wet the deck, we're going to apply our chemical. 
Uh, we're going to give it a good wash. It is going to fuzz. It is going to splinter. Uh, whether it does or doesn't, I just let them know. So that way, if it happens, they're they're aware of it. If it doesn't happen, they're like, wow, it didn't really splinter or it didn't really fuzz. So I always, I always go a little bit above and beyond um, expectations as far as the worst that could happen. There may be still a lot of residue stain left on there. That's why we're coming back, not only to sand for the splintering or the fuzzing, but to get that stubborn stain off of there. Um, I, I, one, one of our things that we do is if we can get it cleaned as clean as possible, that's what we shoot for. If we strip it and reapply stripper and reapply stripper, and that's just not coming up very well, it's going to be just not coming up. Uh, we'll just stop and not continuously soak the deck with chemical and with water and just uh, take that time and put it onto the sanding aspect of things. So we, we let them know uh, our process, what to expect in the end, uh, worst case scenario to best case scenario. Uh, and then we, we walk them through the steps that it, you know, it may take a, a day of sanding and prep before we do the staining or, you know, we'll sand and, and blow off the deck and prep it and then stain it that same day, depending on the size of the deck and the job. So just setting the expectations that are realistic. Okay. That's fair enough. What do you do? Um, let's see. Talk about the actual sanding. What are you using to sand with and what grits are you using? And then, um, okay. you know, so I, to preface this question is we, we use the hand sanders and the floor sanders. And um, some crews don't want to use the floor sanders and some crews do. How do you make a decision on that and, and what are you using? Okay. Um, so deck over, for an example, there's, there's a lot of decks. Well, not a lot. We, we run into a couple of decks every once in a while with deck over where we've had some really great success using various uh, strippers to get a lot of it up. Uh, and then we will use a Dyma brush to get the, the remainder of that stuff that does not want to come up. Uh, so we'll, we'll knock that deck over deck rescue, uh, deck correct deck, whatever, knock it off with a diamond brush. And then we go over uh, with a 40 grit Diablo sanding disc, uh, get all the rough stuff off, any residue stain, paint, whatever solid stain that's on there. And then we will completely sand down the floor with a, at least an 80 grit to kind of smooth everything out and have a nice finished look to it. And then once we're done sanding, then uh, obviously as we're sanding, we're blowing just to keep that dust off and out of the pores. So I'm going to share the screen here. So some of you guys may be listening to the audio of this. If, if you go to uh, Facebook pages, YouTube pages, et cetera, you'll find us here. I'm going to show some of these tools. Um, so Justin, tell me when I'm in the right direction here on this Dama brush. Which one are you guys using? Um, so if you go down uh, two rows, the first one, I guess, as I'm looking at it, the first one to the left there, is, that um, looks pretty much like a diamond brush. Okay. This the uh, one? No, no, that's not it. Sorry. Uh, can you can you click back to the page before? Yep. Uh, right there. Try that one. Oh, yep. Yeah. That's the so one. That, huh? that's, yeah, that's pretty similar to it. It's basically got blades just like you're looking at that picture. Uh, I believe they're diamond coated. Uh, yeah, so that's probably, there's the actual one for wood decks and siding. Yep, yep. Yep. 
so this goes in a grinder and so it would yeah. look like this a hand grinder do you guys use the vacuum cleaner attachment on it uh no um so when we first started stripping decks that's what we used was the dima brush and uh we did not use the vacuum hose if you can use the vacuum hose i highly recommend it there's a lot of crap that shoots out and gets up in the air so it's going to make a mess how how hard is this tool to handle and how hard is it um or how easy is it to make a mess or like dig in um, and make messes on the decks and so extremely, i guess i'm asking the yep, extremely level. easy uh first time i used it i guess i'm pretty lucky to still have this pinky uh, you can't really see the nub, but uh, it about cut my finger off as it uh, hit a nail that was popped up that I didn't realize was popped up, and it kicked back and about cut my pinky off. And, um, it's very rigid as far as power. Uh, it'll chew up the board if you're not careful. Um, what else? It'll get. It'll gouge it. You name it, it'll do it. So, like I said, we so use it for deck over. Yeah, so this photo right here where it just looks like it's just buzzing it right off and it's picture perfect, that's probably um, best case scenario with an experienced hand. I, I would say that's like uh, one of those uh, McDonald-like Big Mac pictures. You know, you look at the McDonald's menu, the Big, the Big Mac looks like a perfect Big Mac, and then when you get it, it's like messy, sauce is coming off it, lettuce is all over the place. That's probably a diamond brush with no blade. That makes sense. So, and then you said when you're, you're doing like a 40 or an 80 grit with the orbital sand or something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So for, for that's what we use as well. We use the discs and they're called hook and loop disc or whatever. And yep. that's basically what we're using. So you've seen those, they work good for cupped boards. And yeah. so I like that. What about, um, floor sander? Are you using a 12 by 18 floor sander? So we, we've rented a few, or I should say we've rented a few. We've rented them a few times, um, depending on the job that we're doing. If it's a large deck surface, then we'll get a floor sander because you're, you're just covering so much space. I think they're 18 by 24. Um, so, I mean, you, you look at a six inch, I think they're five and a quarter inch discs compared to an 18 by 24. Yeah. You're going to cover a lot more space. And then you have to take into a, you need to look at your deck that you're working on. Is it, uh, is it leveled and flat all the way across? Or do you have a lot of wavy looking boards that it's going to get caught up on and, and ruin your sandpaper? Yeah. Nails, things like that. Yeah. We, we use this one here. Um, we own one and, and we use it quite a bit. And I actually saw a company in California using one of these to wipe their decks with once they oil mm -hmm. them. Yep. Yeah. So they lay a towel under it with with the pad and the towel, and then and then roll with it, and uh, looks like a great way to remove any excess stain material. So, anything else you're using besides uh, those to sand with? So we uh, we recently experimented with uh, one of those drywall sanders that has the extension pulled to it. Uh, I think uh, Amazon carries them. There's a brand called Win W E N. And it's basically uh, a drywall sander on a plastic pole that has a five foot pole on it, I believe, with a vacuum system to it. And it's just a larger nine inch disc orbital with a, a little electrical plug in that you can use. And instead of getting on your knees, you're basically standing and just letting that that uh, sander do the work. You can put some pressure on it, too, I bet. Yeah. 
Yeah. So we use that when we're doing like the 80 grit. So we've gotten all the stubborn stain off and it's just time to smooth the deck out. We'll use that uh, 80 grit on that when uh, sander on a pole. So if, if you check out the screen here, a tool that we got actually, they let us demo it. It's a tool made in Germany. It's called a Terrassen Blitz. This machine is a deck sander. It's got these, uh, they look like Osborne brushes. Mm, yeah. But they're rotary. And they actually, this thing will walk up and down decks, stairs. It's got a handheld, um, two, two different handheld version, you know, attachments to do mm -hmm. railings and up in the corners. And then it has the vacuum cleaner built in. It's kind of a pricey machine, but it, it refinishes, resurfaces. Um, uh, it will resurface like Epe. It will do groove decking mm -hmm. like they have in the UK. And it's, it's amazing. You know, it'll, it'll, it'll burn off any kind of coating. Um, oh, well. Works really good. And that handheld one's really slick too. So there's another option for, for once you, once you, you strip, you know, you can add, use one of these tools. Yeah. I saw, <laughs> this is funny. I don't recommend anybody try this unless you, you practice. Uh, I watched the homeowner, a do it yourselfer who had a blowtorch. And he was uh, just cooking that light X stain right off his deck. And I'll tell you what, uh, again, I don't think I'll ever try it. Maybe I'll do a, a funny video of it one time. But uh, you talk about burning up stain. That, that sucker was burning some stain up pretty quickly. I don't know how healthy it is or how wise it is to do it. But uh, if you want to try a blowtorch, that, that'll get stain up too pretty quickly. Yeah, I, that sounds interesting. I wouldn't do that as a contractor. Sounds like major liability. No. But what about laser strip stain removal? I've seen yeah. it. I've seen it. I'm interested in it. I'm supposed to go look at one of these things, but um, nobody's. There's you don't hear much about it. But that's kind of is yeah, there, that the future. Mm -hmm. There was a, a post a week or so ago on the the Staining University page. Um, I can't remember what the product was called, but I gave them a call and asked them about the the expectations is, of using that on a deck. Is this the pulse? The pulse? Yeah, that's the yep, okay. the pulse thing. So same and, one I sent an inquiry um, to. What's that? I sent an inquiry to them and they never got back to me. Yeah, so I I called and and got someone there and we talked about it and. They said it would work. They didn't know if, if it was cost prohibitive. Uh, I think the one machine that he was talking to me about was uh, in the $14,000 range. Um, and they had never tried it on the deck. And, uh, and I asked, you know, would you guys be willing to, to try it, find a deck, especially if it has a latex coating on it? And he was supposed to get back to me. I offered, you know, hey, if you want to send one, I'll sign waivers. I'll send deposits, whatever is needed. Uh, but I think if we could figure out if that worked and if it was cost prohibitive, that would be something great to use. They used it on a wood cabinet and it absolutely just took the old finish off that wood cabinet door like it was not even there. Yeah, well, if you look at like blast equipment for log homes, it's mm -hmm. forty to forty, fifty, sixty, sometimes eighty thousand dollars for the equipment yeah. for that. So if you if you could buy a similar unit uh, with laser at half the price of that, even it yeah. would be you know some contractors would find great use for that, especially if you can strip without introducing water. But yeah, we live yeah. we we live down here uh, in the uh, we're mere mortals here, so we're stuck with chemicals at this point. So. Yeah. I guess we need to get back on track to that. So 
now we have now we have set the expectation with our customer on what it's going to look like and what that goes to what are you doing to you know i don't know if this is even worth asking but what are you doing to prepare for the job before you go what kind of products are you looking at using and um etc so on and so okay. forth yeah so um i use two different strippers uh, I use obviously expert stain and seal wood stripper with the butyl booster in there. Uh, and then I've uh, experimented with a couple of DRP uh, plus strippers. Um, we first tried the eco stripper that they have, which comes in a concentrate. Uh, it's, it's costly. Uh, it does work really well. Uh, so again, as you're pricing your jobs, make sure that you're, you're covering your costs and then looking at your profit range. Uh, the DRP plus, I believe runs 260 plus dollars without shipping. Um, but it, it works. So what we have found, and again, this is just Justin, uh, what we have found is a really great combination for stripping the worst of the worst decks that we have stripped is that we'll do, uh, DRP plus eco. We'll lay it on the deck dry because it has to be applied on a dry surface We'll lay that on there first, let it activate, goes from a, a white milky substance to a clear substance. And then we'll come back uh, after 30 minutes or so, and we'll use what we call a hot mix of uh, expert stain and seal wood stripper and butyl booster. We do roughly two cups per gallon of the stripper and then uh, in a two gallon pump up sprayer. So we do three to four cups in there and then we'll have we'll add about half a gallon of the booster, uh, and then put down a real heavy coat of uh, the wood stripper and the butyl booster on top of that DRP. And uh, usually by the time we get off the deck, after applying that heavy uh, coating of stripper, go to the truck, set up our wash machine, get everything hooked up, water. Uh, come back to look at the deck, see how it's acting. And you'll start seeing with the combination of both chemicals, you'll see the, you'll see that stain just starting to crumble up and starting melting off. Um, with the deck over, I have found that the DRP, uh, DRP plus uh, eco does not work as well with the deck over. And I've heard a lot of folks tell me that, uh, Expert stain and seal wood stripper doesn't work very well with it. And, and it's true. If you do one application, you're not going to get complete removal. Uh, so we do perfect, perfect case scenario. We go out there, wet the deck, put down some expert stain and seal wood stripper, butyl booster in there, put a heavy coating, wait 30 to 45 minutes, come back, wash it. It looks great. Put the final rinse to get any leftover stain off. And then we put the wood brightener, rinse it, and we're good to go. Uh, most case scenarios you do uh, either with the DRP or with the expert stain, do uh, one coating of one and then a secondary coating of the second, let it sit 30 to 45 minutes, and it's typically ready to be washed and you're going to have excellent to perfect results. Uh, we did one uh, this morning that we just used expert stain and seal with uh, the butyl booster on a bare uh, solid cedar color. And we did two coats of the stripper. So put one coat down, wait 15 minutes, went back over with a second coating and waited uh, about 30 minutes. And that thing came off, I'm gonna say about 99% of it was completely gone. 
and uh, worked perfectly fine. So it's different, different things that require different, uh, different yeah. remedies. So yep. um, before I ask the next question, I want to first say, talk to us about, um, because obviously any stripper from any company is going to be um, generally very hazardous to you and the surroundings. So if you can talk a little bit about precautions that you take and then, and then um, talk to yep. us also about, I think you just touched this, but you know, my, my experience is sometimes you strip something and literally five minutes, the strippers burned it off and it's ready to go. And then yep. other times you see guys that are, they're applying, you know, a super hot mix. They're covered in plastic. They have to leave it overnight. They have to let it sit. And mm -hmm. um, you probably have a little experience with that too. And, it's, and can you tell by looking at it, but, you know, on the quote day, can you tell by pictures or just by looking at it, which one it's going to be? So yes, yeah, yeah. three or four so, questions in one. Let me make sure my wife is not around because if she hears this, she, she is very PPE friendly and a uh, big proponent of it. I, on the other hand, unfortunately, I do not take that as serious as I should. Um, so uh, first things first, when you go out to do that estimate, you need to uh, scratch, claw, uh, pull out a putty knife, a five tool, and see what is on that deck. Uh, don't allow your eye vision to be the deterrent of it's going to clean up real easy or it's not. See how many layers are there. Um, you, you can go to a deck and you'll find an area where there's absolutely no stain. And then you see an area where uh, there's the current color stain and you think, oh man, this is easy. It's just got one coat of bare Olympic, uh, Rust-Oleum, Cabot, you name it, stain on there. So dig around, do yourself the justice of finding out what's on that deck and especially what's underneath the current coating. Uh, here in Nebraska, for a lot the longest time, people were putting polyurethane finishes on their decks, and uh, so they would stain it with Thompson, TWP, Cabot, you name it, and then they would put a nice heavy coat of polyurethane over it. And then when that poly started turning colors and flaking and peeling, then they realized they couldn't strip it with your typical uh, thirty second cleaner or simple green, and they would coat it with solid stain because that was what they thought was the remedy to the problem. So make sure you know what's on there before, again, before you decide what you're doing. Um, precautions of doing stripping. Gloves are super important. Stripper will strip the stain off the deck. It'll also stay, uh, strip the skin off your body. Um, we, uh, again, I, ne I need to do a better job, but wearing a ventilator at a minimum, an N95 mask, uh, gloves, rubber boots, something rubber to protect your feet. Uh, when you're spraying stripper, you better believe it's getting on your shoes. And if it soaks into your shoes, it's going to eventually get to your feet and it's going to burn the, the, the skin right off your feet. Um, it's happened to me. One reason why I don't wear Crocs uh, is because Crocs and strippers don't go well. Stripper will actually strip the croc. <laughs> so uh, wear the proper clothing, proper protective gear. Uh, take care of yourself. Um, what else? Ventilator, at a minimum, a mask, gloves. Uh, when you're mixing it, make sure that your lids are on tight so that when you're throwing around that two-gallon sprayer to mix the powder, uh, it's not going to be leaking onto you, um, on your face, your eyes. Uh, 
if you're comfortable wearing glasses, I, I start off with a pair of safety glasses or goggles. And by the time I get done with stripping, I've usually tossed them because they'll either fog up or I can't see. But uh, your eyesight is super important to keep intact, even if you're uh, stripping or not stripping. So protective gear is very vital and very important. Two, two things. Um, why would you ever use a backpack sprayer to apply these type chemicals? And then two, what do you do if you get stripper on your skin? So I, I start when, so in 2014, when I started doing this, I, um, I come, I come from a farming family in Europe and we use backpack sprayers to spray, uh, you name the chemical from Roundup to, uh, insect propellant, you name it. And so our first year, my first year of doing it, I bought this little fancy Dwalt backpack sprayer and we were doing a fence. And uh, I want to say about 35 minutes into spraying um, sodium metasilicate on that fence, my back was soaked. And it wasn't because it was hot out because it was like April. And then as it got soaked, then all of a sudden I started feeling an itch and then a heat and then a painful heat. And basically that sodium metasilicate had uh, absorbed through my clothing and began to basically eat away at your skin. And so I had a bad back rash. That was the last time I used a, a backpack uh, sprayer. Even if the lids are on tight, there, there's a chance with the swashing around and stuff, you're going to get stuff on your back. Um, if you do get a chemical burn, uh, quickest reaction that you can do is throw water on there to try to alleviate some of the heat. And then if you've got auxilic, believe it or not, auxilic will neutralize it for a, a temporary fix. It will also burn. So uh, you're going to stop the burning of the stripper, but then the auxilic is also going to kick in and start burning. So have a, a burn kit in your car. If you don't have a first aid little kit in there, uh, I would recommend you have one, especially if you're dealing with chemicals. So what's happening is, is if you get this chemicals, these type strippers in your skin, you're dealing with a pH issue. So pH number is very high. It's very basic. So if you just if you put an acid on it, it neutralizes it. Mm -hmm. An oxalic acid is on the far end of the spectrum, but a lesser, a weaker uh, acid is what I recommend, like vinegar. If if it's yeah. me, I just actually if I get it on my hand, you'll first your hand will feel slimy. You'll, you'll mm -hmm. that's how you know you got it on your hand or on your skin. And I'll just actually dip my hand into a powdered form of oxalic acid because you generally probably don't have it mixed yet. And that for me, it puts the fire out. It stops the reaction yeah. immediately. Then I'll yep. wash my hand. But uh, I've also heard that, um, you know, just plain white vinegar does a great job of just neutralizing that, that thing and making it stop. If you do get a burn from like, uh, like bleaches, um, chlorine <clears throat> or wood stripper, any type of, or, you know, Drano, any type of really high pH, thing if you don't neutralize it it can actually give you chemical burns for months at a time and yeah. uh, I had a, a really bad bleach burn on my leg uh, once for like um, six months and it just kept burning and burning and burning it always hurt and, uh, and one day I just got the crazy idea to to neutralize it and I put wood brightener on it and the thing healed up I mean it fixed yeah. it so yeah. it's crazy how those chemical burns just never quit burning until you uh, neutralize that chemical. So that's also uh, important to think about is if you don't neutralize the deck after you put the chemical on there, 
Um, you can wind up in a situation where the, the five-year-old kid walks out on the deck when it's raining and it activates that chemical and burns their feet up. So yeah. very, very, very um, important situation. Why don't you yep. walk us through this deck here? We're looking at a, f a photo on the screen of uh, just a set of deck steps, and it's uh, got an old, worn-out, algae-covered, what I'm going to call a textured deck coating similar to, or it is, uh, deck over. So tell us yeah. what you're walking up the steps, looking at this quote. What are you thinking? What are you telling the customer? And what, what level of work did you think it was going to be versus what level of work it actually was? Yeah, so uh, this customer is an Air Force pilot. He flies around one of the spy planes that goes and collects intelligence, uh, bought the house. They moved here from California. They bought the house through Zoom and uh, just blew my mind that you could buy a house with never stepping foot in it and just having a realtor walk around with their phone and showing it to you on Zoom. So they had no idea what was on the deck. Uh, he has recently got back from being overseas and realizes how bad the deck looks. And so he called me, uh, we had stained their fence uh, earlier last, or late last week and uh, asked what we could do for the deck. Uh, he had had a couple of deck guys come out and they were just going to tear it off and build him uh, a twenty-four dollars to $34,000 deck. Uh, so I, when, when he asked me about it, I looked at it from a distance and I told him, it looks like it has deck over on it. And he's like, yeah, it looks like it has stucco on it. So as we walked around the deck, the deck is structurally fine. It, it is sturdy as all can be. It's not going to go anywhere. It does have a lot of organic growth. Uh, the deck over or deck restore, he's not sure which one of the two is on there, uh, is primarily on the rails and the pickets. And the floor, there's still a lot, of, well, there was still a lot of it on there, but there was a lot of uh, areas where it had already come up. The boards are perfectly fine. So we talked them into, or not talked them into, uh, we reassured him that the deck was fine, that structurally it was fine, and he understood that. And after we put, uh, gave him the expectations, hey, we could strip it or we could just put a solid coating on it. He did not want the solid coating. So we agreed on a price to strip the, the floor, the steps, wash the handrails the best that we can, and then put an oil stain on the floor and the steps. And then we're going to put uh, a solid uh, super deck on the rails and pickets and the structure. And so on that deck there, we did uh, expert stain and seal wood stripper, uh, four cups to two gallons of water, half, I think we did a little more than half a gallon of butyl booster, uh, put two heavy coats of the, the stripper on it, let it sit for 45 minutes, then put another third coat on it right before we were getting ready to strip. And uh, we stripped it down and uh, the guy was like, he thought we were done. Like, he's like, oh my gosh, the deck looks great. Can I write you a check? I was like, hey, we haven't stained anything. Uh, but just to see it look clean and with nothing on the floor, no algae, no super, no deck over or deck restore or whatever, and just have the wood back uh, to him was like uh, a lifesaver. And so Monday, if weather allows, uh, we'll go out there, we'll sand where it needs to be sanded on the floor. And then we'll uh, probably put Lodge Brown on the rails. And then I think we're doing Sable on the floor. Uh, but he still hasn't decided. But we'll do a, probably a semi-solid or semi-transparent on the floor. 
and uh, a brown, lodge brown, mission brown on the rails and structure. I want to take a quick break to remind you that the only way this show grows is when you share or like the show. So please leave us a review. Also, if you haven't joined Staining University, the private Facebook group, it's a great place to learn stain and seal tips from thousands of contractors on the internet using every stain product imaginable. And check out our Staining University event. The next one will be February 8th and 9th in Nashville, Tennessee. There'll be hundreds of contractors there for the Staining University classroom sessions and the Wood Care Expo. So if you're serious about being a wood care contractor, you've got to make the trip to Nashville every February. Come see us. Leave your questions in the comments section, and we'll get to them in a future episode. Now, back to the show. Obviously, a treated pine deck you've got here. Looks like it came really clean. If you're not watching, you should be watching because there's photos and, and, and video here. Why is the wood... Talk to me about this. In, the expectation you set for yourself on when you're finished cleaning or stripping a deck like this, we've got a lot of dark spots left. You know, it's not a stain on there, but the wood itself looks dark. Is that, mm-hmm. um, is that due to maybe the, um, the brighteners not fully set in yet or just old wood and how, what's it going to look like when it dries? Set some of that uh, expectation for us. Yeah. So um, we ran into this with a, a deck that we did later on in that afternoon um, to where when we left, there were a lot of mismatching boards. Uh, some looked brighter than others. Others looked like they still had some either maybe possible stripper agent in there that hadn't neutralized correctly yet. Maybe it needed more. Um, the next day when we came back, everything looked like uniform, clean, nice and bright. There wasn't any of that splotchiness. Uh, my first impression when I was looking at the, the, the photo that you're looking at right now that you have up, was that they also had a, they have a lot of leaves and there might be some of the leaf stains when leaves just sit on there for with the previous owner they uh, PCS out of Nebraska and the house that was vacant for about a year or so uh, and no one took care of it no one blew off the deck uh, the current homeowner doesn't blow off the deck um, and so when we went out there to look at it it was literally covered in leaves and we had to go pull off the blower to see what was underneath everything. Uh, so a lot of that wood, I believe, is stained from years of uh, leaf exposure, uh, just the the natural organics. That's the second deck that we went out to do uh, that had also a solid stain and was just uh, neglected. But yeah, a lot of those a lot of those pressure treated or pine treated uh, boards. I, th- I think a lot of it's just neglect, and uh, they once they're brightened and have had time to dry out, they they look pretty uniform before we do the staining. Yeah, we get a lot of treated pine here in our market, and I don't think there's ever been a deck that was really in bad shape that we cleaned that we were totally satisfied with when we left. But after you do enough of them, you realize, oh well, that's just part of it. It's never going to look that great wet, but once yeah. it dries out, I mean, it's just like wow, they really make a difference when they dry. So let's look at the yeah. second deck. Here it is, uh, I guess, when you showed up. So tell us about this one. This looks to me like it's not a deck over. This one looks more like a, a latex uh, film foreman. So tell us what you got on this one. Yep. So th- this deck uh, was treated uh, a little less than a year ago. Uh, so it was treated like last August. It was painted or stained with a semi with a solid purple looking color. Uh, the homeowner wasn't around when they finished, and he absolutely hated it. Um, 
he ran into us and asked if we could, you know, strip it. And I told him, Hey, we could strip the floor. We're not touching the rails, the structure. Uh, so we agreed. Uh, I think this deck alone, we're doing it at like 1750 a square foot to strip. And um, so, like I said, make sure you know your figures, right? You can, at a minimum, we're charging 10. We can go up to 17, 18 at one time. I think we did one this year for $23 a square foot. When you say uh, this price, does that include your uh, your your staining afterwards? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so this is plum crazy purple. This looks like a 1969 purple Dodge Charger. This is oh, yeah. crazy what color it is. I've never seen yep, that. His, yep, his rails are purple. He's got a privacy fence uh, that the deck gets uh, fenced in going around, and it's all plum purple. Um, so again, like, yeah, 1750, uh, is what we're charging for stripping the floor and then to stain it. We then price the railings and the outside at a different price because we're not stripping it. We're just giving it a, an organic clean and then we're going to recoat it with a, a solid stain. And so this one being newer, this is something I wanted to touch on. You said this is a one-year-old coating. What do you do when somebody calls you and they, you know, cause we get this call a lot. We generally turn it away, so I'm curious how you approach this. Somebody calls and they said, somebody just stained my deck. I hate the color. I want you mm -hmm. to strip it. What do you do there on, on new coatings? And, is, and do you approach those differently? Are they harder if the coating is brand new? Uh, yeah, so you, you have to go look at it. Um, do not, do not uh, let them just send you pictures or, or uh, send you like a, a video that they'll take. Um, this gentleman, when he first approached me, he sent me pictures of the worst spots on the deck. So by the pictures, it would have been very easy for me to think, oh, this is going to be an easy cleanup because he gave me three or four pictures of the most peeled up, flaking up section of the deck. So go out and look at it. Don't, don't take a picture for its word. Go out, look at it, scrape it to see if it's coming up. What's underneath? Is it just one coat? Is it two coats? Is it three or four or six? Uh, go out and determine what, what your process is going to be. In it. And if it's actually worth scraping or stripping. If they don't like the color, the, the nice and unique part of a benefit of a solid stain is you can go to Sherwin-Williams, Pittsburgh, PPG, you name the, the company, and give them a color and they'll make you a stain color. So if you want fluorescent yellow on your deck, they'll give you a fluorescent yellow. If you want white, black, brown, purple, uh, plum purple, they'll make it for you. That's the one benefit. So if a customer doesn't like the color and it's not feasible for you to strip it, it's not worth your time, not worth your, your, your headache, uh, offer them a different color to get rid of that, uh, that negative in their deck. I like this. So there's something I see in the photos here, and and this is something that we can ask about. I, I know a lot of people, first thing that I'm noticing in the photo is chicken wire. There's chicken wire attached mm -hmm. to this deck. That's a, yeah, that's a major consideration. If you didn't see that in the photos, you showed up to the job, you'd be surprised. So looking at jobs like this is important. But I also see this rotted piece of, of railing on top. Mm -hmm. Do you do repairs? Do you get a lot of call for repairs? Do you think there's a lot of opportunity for people who do repairs uh, in the sense of do other deck staining contractors do this? If you 
do not do repairs and you are, um, so we, we do minor repairs. Okay. That's what we do. Uh, if it's worth our time and if it's not going to be, uh, a headache or a foreseen headache, then we'll, we'll offer the repair work. Uh, we also have uh, a carpenter slash deck repair guy uh, who we trust and who we've worked with uh, over the last few years that we refer specific deck repair to. If it's beyond the scope of work that we want to do, uh, we'll give it to him. Uh, with this specific job, there's a lot of rot on that deck that we've pointed out and the customer at this point in time uh, wants the deck stained and protected and the paint gone off the floor. And then he's going to address other things as money is available, I guess. But if you're, if you're starting off and you're handy with some, uh, basic repair, basic carpentry skills, it is definitely, uh, a, a benefit to have in your toolbox to offer to your customers. You know, I think, I think there's, there's something to that. We've actually started doing more and more of those as we've gotten the crews to do it used to it was it was about 350 bucks was the average cost um, in middle tennessee that you had to pay a subcontractor to go do a basic repair mm -hmm. that was kind of the, the 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 minimum for a sub crew to go out and do any kind of basic repair nowadays it's almost double that yeah and so so what we see <clears throat> what we see most uh um you know contractors in our area that build fences or build decks and things like that they got a 1500 dollars minimum and truth be told, a lot of people just, they can't pay $1,500 to have one piece of railing replaced, you know, a two before a $6 piece of wood replaced for 1500 bucks. So I think there is a big opportunity. If you're, if you're willing to have the know-how, some basic carpentry skills, you can definitely um, set yourself apart and pick up a lot of extra work by just being able to, you know, replace a gate hinge, replace a couple fence boards or a, a piece of railing or decking board. And yeah. uh, that's a big thing. You know, something we didn't talk about and I've not seen here yet, but is nails. Do you see a lot of nails that need to be set and do you set them? And if you do, what do you use to set them with? Yeah, so uh, part of our service when we go out to do uh, any kind of uh, deck washing, staining project, uh, part of the thing, part of our package is we'll come out, we'll wash it. Uh, you know, we tell them that we're going to pre-treat, uh, low pressure wash, wood brightener, uh, sand were needed and then we reset any nails that need to be reset. That's kind of our little uh, sales package. And um, saying that uh, there are some decks where the resetting of nails now becomes an item number that we add on to the cost because uh, this deck in specific, there is probably about 150 nails that we're going to have to pop back in or reset because they are coming out. Uh, and so that was uh, a line item number that we put a cost to because uh, resetting half, you know, half dozen handful nails is no big issue, but when there's at least 150 nails that we have to reset, that's, that's time consuming and you need to uh, account for that time. So is that process, are you using a hammer, are you using a hammer and a punch, are you using a nail setting tool or? What are you looking at to do that to make it easy? So on, on this job specifically, we'll just probably have a hammer with us as we're going around sanding. Uh, either we'll have somebody ahead of us sanding or not sanding, punching in the nails or uh, as we're sanding, we'll start punching them in as we're going. Uh, 
Um, if it's a, well, newer decks typically here are all screwed in now. They're not even nailed unless you're going to a, a new, new home build and uh, the home builder built the deck. Um, but typically uh, just a hammer. Uh, if, if it's a nicer uh, deck area or a nicer deck, then we'll, we'll have a nail punch with us to pop those in. But we found over the last couple of years, a lot of those uh, newer decks are, are just all being screwed and they're not, not nailed anymore. Yeah. So this is something that's often overlooked. So if you're new to deck staining or, or stripping jobs, the, um, the nails, if you sand, especially if you use a deck sander, will destroy your sandpaper for one, but also if they're sticking up too much, you sand the coating, the galvanizing or the whatever that coating is on some of these screws, you can, it can lead to, to mm -hmm. rusting and you could, you know, be a bad customer experience. A customer calls you back in a year and says, all my screws are rusty now. So that's yeah. something, yeah. something to be mindful of. Um, what about filling in holes? What do you do when a customer calls and says, you know, we want you to do the strip job and I want, but I, you know, on my railings or on my floor, either they've already done it or they want you to do it and they want you to put wood filler or some kind of putty in there to fill a crack or a, or a carpenter bee was or something like that. You ever run into that? Yeah, we, we, um, we just did a redwood deck that had issues like that. That's uh, the deck was 54 years old in absolute great condition. Uh, California redwood uh, shipped in from California and they had uh, over the span of 54 years, um, knots had basically shrunk and fallen out. And there were a couple that were big eyesores for her specifically. The husband can care less that there were knot holes there. Uh, so she, she had tried filling them in with uh, Elmer's wood putty to, um, I forget the other brand, basically some wood putty. And she has found, and same thing with us here in Nebraska, is we find that we put in the wood putty in there. And then after a season, you come back and, and it's shrunk and it's fallen out. Uh, so we, we typically don't fill any of those holes uh, because before the deck needs to be recoded or even maintenance coated, it's going to probably fall out and shrink and be an eyesore again. Yeah. So I did learn a little tip along the way that, you know, sometimes people will do um, wood putty and there's, you know, they've done it. They, you know, you show up for the estimate and they say, Hey, I've, you know, I went ahead and took the liberty of filling all the holes with wood filler and now they've got these big streaks on the deck or wherever. Um, I have seen it done to where, let's just say you were going to do a pecan stain or a walnut mm -hmm. stain or chocolate brown, whatever the color is. Um, you can get a solid stain that's a similar color that matches and you can actually just put solid stain over the, the um, wood filler in those areas and then cover all of it with like a semi-transparent stain and it'll cover itself nicely. Um, but yeah. we, we, like you, we just don't do any filling like that. We actually recommend against it. So, But if you yeah. run into that, solid stain will work. So I think we've covered most of the process here. I mean, you're, um, you can, you can get a little wild with this stuff, meaning, you, you know, you don't, when we do regular wood restoration, we want to do full passes back and forth, but sometimes you got to get a little rough with it on these, mm -hmm. uh, strip jobs to get it out of the knots and things like that. But generally speaking, you're going to sand afterwards. So you cover all that up, but what do you do with all the paint chips? What are you doing to protect the house? What are you doing to protect the shrubs? Um, what do you do with all the, the byproduct and how do you set that expectation with your customers? Well, 
on stripping in yeah. the, the leftovers? So, um, again, expectations, uh, all that, all that stuff that you're stripping off is got to go somewhere and it's going to accumulate probably, uh, in an area that's going to be super relevant to that customer. So be ready, have a couple of grocery bags on hand, some rubber gloves. Uh, like I said, I don't wear the rubber gloves as often as I should, and you're just going to have to scoop it up. Uh, it's going to look like diarrhea. It's going to look like, uh, you name the kind of poop you want to call it. Uh, you're going to have to use your fingers, rake it up, have a plastic rake on hand, gather it up, and then let the customer know that when you come back to sand and stain, that you'll get whatever's left over because it was wet and soggy. Uh, so set that expectation so that the customer knows you just, you just didn't leave it there and care about it. Uh, Rinsing, rinsing, rinsing is super important. Uh, along the house, we'll typically bring a brush and pull uh, to where we brush in the stripper along the home. Uh, again, we don't do the rail, so we're not so worried about that. Uh, that avoids uh, possible chemical splattering up along or onto the house. Uh, this house that you're playing the video is painted, so. Uh, that stripper might be difficult to get the deck stain up, but it certainly will strip that house with no problem uh, because you don't want it to. If you wanted it to, it probably wouldn't have. But when you don't want it to strip what you don't want to, it will strip it. Gutters, downspouts, um, concrete underneath the deck. Just be mindful of that. Uh, so rinsing everything down with water um, after your. So when we wash it, We'll wash the deck off, and as we're washing, we're rinsing the house so that it doesn't dry up on it. Uh, and then once we're done pressure washing the deck from stripping, we'll rinse the house down again another time. Then we'll do our auxilic, and then we rinse the deck, and we rinse the house a third time or fourth time if needed, just to make sure that debris is not on a window, on a door, on the siding. Uh, and then along the grass, uh, in that video, see my son, Christian, that was his job was to start collecting that residue uh, paint chips and paint or stain that collects. And so wherever we're washing off the deck, we'll collect the, the residue stain from the, the grass, from the, the landscape and gather as much as we can. And then when we come back out, the customer already knows, yeah, they did tell us that they're going to gather whatever's left when they come back and just make sure you pick it up. Otherwise it it's just looks unprofessional. What happens if you strip stain and the pieces come off and they get on the house? And you let it dry? Yep. Uh, a couple of things can happen. One, uh, they can just stick on there. And then when you come back, you miss the spot, you wipe it down with a rag or take the flake off. Uh, that's your best case scenario. Uh, what most likely will happen because, uh, what we don't want to happen tends to happen. If you leave it on there, it still has stripper residue on it and it's going to eat the coating of that exterior, whether it's painted, whether it's vinyl, whether it's stucco, hardy board. So that little bit of residue, a stripper, even though you've washed and stripped the floor, will stick to that house and most likely leave a mark, a stain, uh, a burn mark, you name it. So Rinsing is very, very vital and important to make sure you get everything. Yeah, you don't want a polka dotted house. I have seen some guys lay tarps or plastic down also to catch any of the um, 
yeah. just the paint flakes or whatever in the yard. And that may be something people can consider. Yep. Yeah. Landscape and mesh is really good too, because, uh, it'll allow the water to drain through it. So like the black mesh that you put in your flower beds That's a or good in idea. your garden, yep. uh, you can typically buy that cheap, especially now in the off season. Uh, if you go to most places, they have it in the clearance aisle. But if you lay that down, that way when the water is coming off the deck, it'll it'll rinse right through, and then you've got kind of a net catching the, the particles. That's cool, man. That is a great idea. I think we call it uh, landscape fabric or geotextile, yeah. geo, geotextile fabric, maybe. But yeah, that's not a bad idea. Really good idea, actually. But So we've covered setting the expectation. We've covered deciding how we're going to tackle the job. We've covered um, doing it. We've covered sanding. Uh, how long are you going to wait after you, you strip a, a job on average? You know, I know December and, and July have two different timeframes, mm -hmm. but what are we looking at time frame once we get it stripped? Uh, when are we going to do the sanding? When are we going to do the staining? And are those scheduled at the same time? Uh, so uh, each job varies. Um, so typically we wait two days at a minimum to go back to, to stain it. Um, whether it's July and it's 100 degrees, the allowing at least two days. Uh, for those jobs that we've stripped this week, it'll be kind of hit and miss because uh, it's cloudy. It's supposed to rain, possible snow Saturday, I think. And then uh, a beautiful week next week. Uh, so we, we play it by ear as you know, as the seasons come in. Um, but two days is our typical wait time uh, after we wash. So if we wash it Monday, we'll wait till Wednesday or Thursday to stain it as long as it's dry, moisture levels are correct. And then as far as the sanding, uh, when our process is, uh, we tell our customers. Um, so if we plan on going out Monday to, to stain, then they know we're coming out to sand beforehand. Uh, and we typically sand and stain that same trip we're out there unless the deck is too big to, to do all in one day. When you're sanding a deck and you've got all this uh, sawdust, uh, you're blowing it off with a leaf blower. Are you, uh, are you doing anything with the, the dust or does it just disappear on you generally? Uh, so we, we try to, again, we try to collect as much as we can, uh, leave, leave the job site better than we found it. Um, so if you have a thousand square foot of flooring that you're going to sand, you're going to accumulate a lot of dust, uh, whether you're blowing it off in five different directions, there's going to be a lot of dust. Uh, so we try to accumulate as much as possible. We talked to, or I talked to a floor refinishing guy and he, uh, brought up to me whether, or how often I blow off the deck when I'm sanding. And at the time I was sanding once we were done. So we would sand the whole floor and then we'd grab the leaf blower, blow it clean. And he told me that's the worst thing you can do. And he explained to me as you're sanding, you're getting up a lot of sawdust, you're getting up a lot of wood dust and the particles of the old stain. And at the same time, you're refilling those wood pores with sawdust. And if you get any kind of moisture from sweat, uh, your, your cold ice water bottle sitting there and it's, uh, got condensation going down that little bit of moisture will actually cause that sawdust to become wood putty and it'll fill the wood pores. So his suggestion was that as you're sanding, uh, every five to 10 minutes, stop sanding, grab the blower, blow where you've been sanding clean to keep that dust out of the pores and it'll avoid, um, 
I don't know if you've come across this, but a lot of times guys who've sanded decks will uh, sand it, blow it off. And then as they're brushing the stain on, you'll start seeing a grainy substance uh, accumulate on top of those boards. And a lot of time that's the old sawdust that has found its way into the pores that the oil is now kind of bringing it up to the surface. So blowing it off occasionally is, is a yep. benefit. Seeing that, I have seen that. That makes sense. Yeah, and that what, came from an indoor floor guy. Yeah, those guys know their stuff when it comes to that. Yep. So, hmm, what have we missed, man? I think we've covered kind of the... So one question that I had today from a gentleman down in Texas. Should I, should I strip a solid fence? And, uh, and I told him it depends. Uh, we've stripped a couple of fences this year with great success. Again, go to the job, scrape it, pick at it, see what's on there, and then determine whether it's worth your time and your price and if it's worth the customer's time and price. Nine out of 10 times, I'm putting solid stain back on a solid fence. That one yeah. time it's gonna be beneficial price-wise and it's gonna be beneficial process-wise. Yeah, I agree with that. You know, we, we've got a project going on right now out uh, at, a, at a lake here in Middle Tennessee. It's this humongous log. Well, it's not a log cabin. It's a cedar-sided home. And it's got a big deck all the way around the front and the back and then the deck that goes all the way down the cliff. You know, you know the deck that's this way and it just oh, yeah. keeps going down to the water and then a boat dock. And, you know, there's 4,000 square feet of lattice on the back of the home and all these things. And it's been, you know, it's had solid stain put on it for 25 years. We cleaned it. We're going back with solid stain. Yeah. You know, on a, on a job like that, it is, um, I don't know, you're talking probably a hundred grand to fully strip and properly prep something like that uh, versus maybe 25 or 30 to, uh, to just do a really good job cleaning it and restain it. And yeah. so, yeah. yeah, I think there's definitely, um, there's a time for, for every product. You know, we love oil-based stains, but there's billions of dollars of research have gone into getting water-based solids right. So I think when the time's right to do one, you know, don't be afraid of it. That's, there's an opportunity there. Um, how do you, how do you prioritize um, strip jobs? So, so I guess what I'm asking is, um, do, you, do you really like doing them? Do you only do them out of necessity, you know, to fill your schedule? Is it something you actually move to the front and say, hey, that's an opportunity for us to be, you know, profitable because they're, maybe they're more profitable or are they less profitable? What are you seeing on that as far as for um, what you think guys ought to consider for their own company when they look at stripping jobs? Yeah, yeah. So two years ago, uh, I think I think it was two years ago, I was at one of your standing events and I swore off stripping. I'm done stripping. No more stripping for me. Uh, two reasons I said that was new builds are amazing to work on. You go in light wash, very little sanding, if anything, and you stain it. It's brand new wood. It looks amazing. It's the perfect picture for you to post on your website, your social media to tell all your friends about. Uh, so I was swearing off stripping. And then, um, I think it was Matt Warner had talked about the value of your time and I came home and I started contemplating the value of my time, the value of my time. And I started realizing why I didn't like stripping. The reason I didn't like stripping was I wasn't pricing it correctly. I wasn't accounting for how long it was going to take, the work, the chemicals, the, the sanding, the what ifs that I wasn't thinking about. Uh, so value in your time. 
now when we go to strip a job, it typically pays double what it would pay if it was just a, a go in, wash and stain job uh, because we have priced it to where uh, when we go there, we're excited to be there because we know we're making money. We're not going there to impress the Joneses or the gyms across the street and hope that they call us because we made this deck look good. It's because uh, these customers are valuing our efforts and our work and um, they don't take priority. Um, honestly, most of our strip jobs we handle just like any other job. If uh, you called up and you said, hey, I've got a deck that I want done, go out. We determine that it needs to be stripped and you fall in the schedule at this time. That's that's when we're going to do it. Uh, we might kick a strip job back a little bit if there's uh, weather um, where there's going to be a lot of rain in between the stripping and the sanding and staining uh, aspect of it. And usually strip jobs are older decks. And so if it does rain, uh, it's usually a little more delay in that process than if it was a newer deck with newer wood. So we, we typically schedule them normally like we normally would. And uh, unless there's weather or uh, unless they want to pay a premium to have it done sooner. Good advice. I've got two more things. It, talk to people about let's say you're stripping considerations of stripping solid coatings on decks, the flats, particularly if we're going back with an oil-based penetrating semi-trans, semi-solid or transparent stain. What if, what if the coating that's there before is Cordovan Brown? Mm -hmm. What if the coating's white? Let's just say it's white for all intents and purposes, a really light color, a really dark color. What are you considering? Uh, what are the considerations there that people need to be aware of before they tackle a job like that? Um, so are you saying like the rails are white or the deck floor is white? I'm saying the deck floor is white. Particularly what I'm getting at is ladies got a white deck mm -hmm. or a black. Let's just, let's just use white or black for, for example, a really light color, like white mm -hmm. or a really dark color. And they want to go back with, um, you know, mahogany stain or something like okay. that. You know, obviously you're not going to get in the cracks all the time. Yeah. We can't get the yeah. cracks perfect. So I want you to talk about that consideration of the stain that's left over and what mm -hmm. you're going to see if you do go back with something that's semi-transparent and, and how you would recommend your, how you would steer your customer towards choosing a color based on what's currently on there. Yeah. So uh, before any work is done, that should all be talked about in that uh, estimate uh, process. So the expectations, um, so when you're going out there, you verify that it's worth you stripping white, black, Cordova brown, uh, plum purple, uh, letting the customer know, hey, we're going to do our very best to get everything that we can get off off. Uh, and saying that, um, we, we did a deck that had almost uh, three quarters of an inch gap in between each board. So those side of the boards were very noticeable to see the previous coating as stain. Um, so we got as much as we could with, uh, our orbital going down into the crack on a, on an angle to get as much as we can. But we had also told the customer that our expectations were, we're going to get as much as we can, including in the cracks, but what we can't get, we can't get, you're just going to have to deal with that. Uh, and the nice thing with oil stain and latex, uh, that we have personally found, this is not scientifically proven. This is just experience that we've seen. Uh, and it's happened on my own deck that was painted before we bought the house. Where you can't get 
off that stain and those cracks and you put a good penetrating oil, that oil over time will actually push that latex off. So the second time you come back to wash that oil, and if you're angling your J-rod, uh, your pressure tip, whatever tip you're using to wash the deck, if you get closer into that, that crack or into the, the sides of those boards, you're going to get a lot more stain or that, pen, that latex stain off the second time than you were the first time. So set the expectation to the customer. There, there's going to be stain in areas that we just can't get into or we can't get completely off, but we're going to do our very best to get. And then second, when there, we, we suggest colors, but we do not demand that they go with a specific color. So um, the, the, the plum purple guy is going with uh, a lodge brown slash mission brown. We actually have uh, four gallons of each that we're going to combine and make eight gallons of a nice brown color with the lodge and mission brown for him. And we're going to go with sable on the floor because he has a lot of high traffic. It's an older deck. And the sable, I think, will uh, be a little more durable on his older deck with the dogs and people that live there and all the grilling and stuff that they have. Um, so we suggested those colors to him. The other deck that had the deck over, they wanted to go with a very light color. And so again, explaining to him when he said he wanted to go with possibly a natural or even a honey, you do realize that it had a brown deck over on here. Uh, and between these cracks, we're gonna do our very best to get what we can off of there, but there's still gonna be some stuff that's residue in there. And if you have uh, a light honey, that brown is gonna be pretty contrast to the light honey and you're gonna see it. So we, we again, we suggest it's their home, it's their money, it's their project. Uh, just give them expectations. Let them know what can and can't happen uh, or what will happen if you can't get all the stain out of the cracks. And color wise, like you mentioned, if you have a white stain in between those cracks and you're going with um, something very different to it, like a, like a honey, for an example, you're going to see the white. So just expectations, uh, educate and inform. All right. Last question. I think it's the most important one. Let's say you're a brand new guy. You've stained three decks. Now somebody's called. They want you to do a strip job. You've washed mm -hmm. one deck and you've, and you've stained three and you've, you're getting your feet wet. You go look at your first job that needs stripping. How much harder is it going to be than what you think it's going to be having never done one? What kind of expectation would you oh, tell man. the new guy? So here's a real life experience. There's a young guy um, in Lincoln. Um, I can't remember his name now. Just met him a couple of days ago. He's run into this problem. He has spent uh, four, four days so far on this strip job. He's gone one day out there to walk, meet the customer, uh, discuss what they're going to do. Uh, he priced it at a little over $5 a square foot because uh, the owner Absolutely. That's perfect. He has had other people who have come out and have given him much bigger ballpark figures. So $5, the guy has come back out three times now to wash it with uh, SH, did absolutely nothing to it. Then he came back out. Uh, I believe he ordered some sodium metasilicate, tried that. It did absolutely nothing to it. It's got a, a bare Cordova brown on it and it's a covered deck so it's no elements have messed with this floor 
Uh, he, I think he joined our Facebook group, saw that I was in Nebraska, uh, messaged me, asked if he could give me a call, uh, had some questions, uh, called and, and asked, Hey, I've got this. I asked him for some pictures and, um, now I've kind of guided them and, and given them some things to try. Um, so if you're new to the business, my first word of advice to you is find somebody who's been doing it and pick their brain. Uh, some guys are going to tell you to go take a hike. Unfortunately, there are people like that out there. You may run in across a guy who's willing to talk to you and explain to you, hey, uh, you do realize if you're going to sand, uh, there's sanding involved. There's not just the stripping aspect, uh, but SH isn't going to do it. Sodium minosilicate isn't going to do it. You're probably going to need a real good stripper. So find somebody that you can pick their brain with who's going to reveal the secrets, if you want to call it that. Um, and then listen and, and, and try it. But be aware that uh, I've learned this through trial and error. Uh, our first strip job took us a week to do. And the whole time I was out there, I was hating myself. I hated life. I wanted to like strangle. If I could strangle myself, I probably would have strangled myself. Uh, you're going to learn through trial and error. You're going you're gonna to bid that job way too low. Learn through your mistakes and don't give up on it, but just learn and grow from it. Very good advice. And I, I think that's so important because most people that want to get into this industry, we want to associate ourselves and, and everyone that I know that's in the business. We want to be considered professional wood care contractors and professionals uh, have a high level of integrity. So if we say we're going to do a job for 500 bucks, we're going to go do it for 500 bucks. And we just don't want anybody listening to go get in a situation where they're, they're literally, um, you know, losing you know, you're charging two grand, but it costs you seven grand to do the job. Uh, mm -hmm. Most guys are actually, they're going to stand behind it. They're going to do it. They're going to make it right. And that just sucks, right? If you get in yep. that situation, it's awful. So just understand that that's the way it goes. Some of these jobs are going to be way harder than you think. Expect the worst. And then that way, you know, if, it, if it's not so bad, you're pleasantly surprised. So yep. just look at these jobs and uh, look at them different. And uh, be just be so be be so mindful of setting that expectation with the customer. You know, if you think it's going to strip really, really, really easy, um, you can do a test on it. And um, you know, if you don't do a test, you never know. But and another quick a quick thing for those that don't know is the um, you know because some, sometimes we do see oil based uh, film forming stains, and so mm -hmm. the way to tell the difference in an oil base and a water base is with mineral spirits and denatured alcohol. You can get both at most hardware stores. You need a rag or a you know a heavy paper towel. Put a little mineral spirits on your rag, wipe the deck vigorously or the fence in a spot. And if the stain cart's coming off, well, you probably got a uh, you know, you probably got an oil-based coating. If nothing happens, then try it with the uh, denatured alcohol. If if it's water-based, the denatured alcohol will start to rub it off. Mm -hmm. uh, on the rag and you'll see a lot of color transfer. So uh, yeah. you might get a little bit with both, but you'll really get a lot mm -hmm. on the one that it is. So denatured alcohol will discover or identify water-based coatings and mineral spirits will identify oil-based coatings. Man, Justin, I appreciate your time. I think this is the most in-depth talk we've ever done on, on stripping. Oh, well, and I didn't um, even have to bring a pole or anything. There you go. Yeah. Me neither. <laughs> but it does look like it does look like your background is at the club, though. I, I oh, don't yeah. know where you're at. Doing some 
So where do people come find you at if if you know if somebody's in Nebraska watching this and they they want your uh, want your company to come out and do some work for them? How do they get in touch with you? Uh, website, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, Give Twitter. us those links. Find up for Twitter and uh, or what am I calling now? Twix. I got a guy that I follow on social media. He calls it Twix. Um, yeah, most social media places, uh, Facebook is probably the most. What, it, what is your handle? What's your handle on all those places? Uh, making all things new. Yep. Tell and us about, um, you know, obviously we're very proud for you to be selling the stains that we make expert wood care. Tell us about yeah. that. And if, if people are in that area anywhere and know in the region, you get stained to guys in crazy places. Tell us about that as well. Yeah, that's uh, it's been a, a, a blessing, actually, because uh, we're looking at eventually uh, doing a mass renovation and creating a shop slash storefront, I guess, if you want to call it that. Um, yeah, if you need stain cleaning, uh, wood brightener, wood cleaner, wood stripper, butyl booster, any of the stains that you want, uh, get a hold of me. Uh, Justin Menezes on Facebook, making all things new. Deck and Fence Care on Facebook, uh, most social media places. You'll find me also on that. And uh, yeah, we will go. Uh, we'll meet you wherever you need us to go and get you the products that you need. I like it. That's service, man. Well, we're proud to be working with you, and we appreciate your time today. Yeah. And with that, I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna sign off. I I am gonna ask this. You come into Staining University in February this coming year. Yeah. Yeah. We'll cool. be there. I might actually bring the missus. I think she's thinking about coming also. Uh, uh, that'll be nice. You will get to see our new our new shop. So we're nice. very excited to have a new shop and showroom. We can give you a little inspiration for your own. Nice. I appreciate awesome, it. Awesome, man. Well, guys, thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you on the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Stain and Seal Experts podcast. Please leave your questions in the comment section. We read all the questions and all the comments, so thank you for joining us. Again, find us on your favorite social media. Like us, share us, and come and check us out. 